Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Well, good morning, church. I'm glad you have joined our online service, the service of Somerville Community Baptist Church. I am David Lee, your pastor. I hope you are doing well and staying safe and healthy. Before I begin, I have to say this. Um, it's really sad to know this is uh, how we send the pastor turned out. This is the way we, we have to just say goodbye and farewell. You know, he joined the, our ministry about two years ago, ever since he's been serving sincerely, passionately. You know, we could have thrown a huge party and sent him with the greatest blessings if we had not for the COVID-19 lockdown. So I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for him and his family, and especially his new ministry. Let's get started. You know, one day a daughter called her dad, who was pastor, and said, Daddy, I'm coming home with a surprise. I hope that you still think that I'm pretty. So her dad was really taking it back and thinking, what, what did she do? Um, what does that mean? Did she get a plastic surgery or did she get a tattoo? So he was nervous and worrying as he was bracing himself and was thinking about the worst possible moment. Okay, And when she arrived home, he met her at the door and noticed that she had cut the most of her long hair. You see, he loved the long hair, especially on his daughter. She knew it from growing up because he would always comment on her long hair being so pretty and lovely. So as soon as she saw her dad, she immediately asked him, am I still pretty, dad? And he said, of course, why did, why do you ask the question? You're my daughter, you're my princess, you are, of course, pretty. By the way, parents, we always have by the way moment, right? By the way, why did you cut your hair so short? And this is how she replied. She said, because of my friend then, you know, my friend who just overcame uh, cancer and did long hair to make wigs for her. Just wanted to support her, my friend, by giving and donating my hair to her. That's why I cut my hair so short. And he said this. After hearing the reason for the haircut, he said, I've never noticed how beautiful short hair could be. I've never saw how short hair the same again. And he said, that experience changed my thinking about length of hair and beauty. And I think it's a great story that reminds us about the power of focus, power of perspective, power of thinking or mindset. How you think impacts how you feel. You know, where to put your perspective impact your life. In this case, after his thinking changed, his heart was changed. His perspective 
on looking at someone with short hair. And then the, 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 the basis of the beauty has been changed. Let me give you another example. Okay? Let's say that you are walking down on a sidewalk by Boston Common at, let's say, 1030 at night. And when you notice a group, about a dozen good Size young men are walking on the same sidewalk towards you as they were talking loudly. What would you think if you are standing right there? Oh, if I were standing on that sidewalk, 1030, so dark, they're making a lot of noises. I would probably thought, oh, they're probably drunk on this young, big size man. Not going to make any trouble either across the street or not to have any eye contact and let them go gently and nicely first, okay? Now, let me give you another piece of information to that same situation or circumstance and see if your perspective or your thinking has changed, are changing or not. Let's say if you knew that they were living the church, they're living, let's say, um, getting out of Park Street Church or the Tremon Temple, and they were loudly discussing, talking the Bible. In this case, let's say this Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, because that's the passage that we are going to talk about. What difference does it make to what you think and what you feel or how you feel? I'm sure after your thinking changed, Knowing that, oh, those guys are just coming out of, came out of a church, talking about Bible. Oh, there must be good men, right? After your thinking changed, your heart and your mind, the way you see the same circumstance also is changed, right? That is the power of mindset. That is the power of perspective. There is the power of thinking, you know, and we are in the middle of our current series called Finding Joy During Difficult Times. And we have been learning from Apostle Paul on this book of Philippians. And this main theme, shifting thinking or shifting your perspective. And when you do that, joy is possible. Joy is possible regardless of your circumstances. As long as you can make that shift, um, thinking shift or thought shifting or your perspective shifting, joy is possible. We see that we've been learning in this scripture throughout our series is that your life changes when your thinking changes. Your life can change when your thinking is changing. And as I said, that is the power of our mind. That is the power of our thought. Do you know that God is interested in changing our thinking more than changing our circumstances? Do you know that God is more excited to change your thinking more than to change our circumstances? Because when our thinking changes, everything else will begin to change. Let me say it again. When our thinking changes, everything else will begin to change. It is a mindset which is Ours to have and share because we are in Christ Jesus. Which reminds me of this passage. One of the perhaps the most famous passage. Which is taken from the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. 
which says this, be transformed by the renewing of what? Renewing of your circumstances, renewing of your knowledge, renewing of your wealth, renewing of your power and fame. No, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing of your thinking. In other words, there is a transformation that begins with a changing in our perspective, with a changing in our thoughts, with a changing how we think about things or our circumstances. So this morning, we want to take a look at the Paul's perspective of joy or Paul's um, you know, mindset on joy. And my title for today's message is How to Have Unshakable Joy Like Apostle Paul. Would you say that with me? How to have unshakable joy like the Apostle Paul. All right, let's take a look at the Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, as we set our context for this message. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, Paul begins this Second chapter, a new chapter by using this connecting word that is therefore. And if any of you have been studying the Bible a long time, you know when you see this kind of connecting word, you have to refer to the passage that is right before. And do you also know this, this chapters and verses are actually started around four centuries. It wasn't on the initial or original Bible. It is just for our own convenience. And sometimes because of these chapters kind of hinder us or stop us having a deeper you know, understanding by connecting all this, the words. Okay? This is not the second volume or first volume, first letter and second letter in this chapter. No, this whole chapter is actually one letter, which means it's all connected. It says here um, in verse 27 through 30 of the first chapter, which we're not going to read, but let me just kind of summarize it for you. You know, Paul says right before this, therefore, you know, we find that Paul is saying that he's giving, you know, Philippian Christians the word of encouragement. He says this, whether I come and see you or not, make sure that you stand firm in one spirit. Make sure that you stand firm and that one faith, faith of the gospel, and do not be afraid all of, of all those persecutors because you are not only purposely believe in Jesus Christ, but your purpose and your destiny and your mission is also to suffer, willingly suffer for the sake of the gospel, willingly suffer for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, you see that? Paul was actually giving them these words of encouragement as the Philippian church Christians were suffering because of all this persecution. Remember that I said, you know, in previous my sermon, there's Philippians, there are very few Jews, and it's kind of a, you know, hub of commerce 
um, for the Rome, because the Roman Empire was kind of empire, like you know, ruling all these country and nations that are around the Mediterranean seas, right? And the Philippians was the kind of most important. It's like a New York in our nation, you know, as whole import and exports are going on. And then you see that all different kinds of people, you know, races and languages and colors and the way they worship, the way they, you know, believe in this, their religion is also different. And that's the city. That's the city. And Paul says, therefore, if it is more, I think that, that here, therefore, if this can be more accurately interpreted, if we put since, okay? So he said, since you have any encouragement from being united with Jesus Christ. That means, yes, you do have that encouragement from Christ. Since any comfort from his love. And Paul said, yes, you do have the love from Christ. And since any common sharing in the spirit. Yes, you do have the fellowship, the koinonia with our Holy Spirit. And since any tenderness and compassion. Yes, you do have that righteous character because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are having all this as your foundation, right? In a favor and health of our Father God and Son Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit. Now you have all this foundation. Now you're ready. And then Paul says, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by being like-minded Having same love, being one in spirit and of one accord. Paul is saying that you're not alone. You have a God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is giving you all things that you are in need. They've been strengthening you. They've been providing you all your needs. So would you make sure to make my joy complete? And I think of this phrase I found it really interesting because we know the Paul as a master of joy, right? We know he's probably the figure, the most figure that we can find in the Bible and the whole world, you know, to know and find and mastering this concept of joy. And in this passage, he's saying that, you know what? My joy level is right here, right here, right about, right about to accomplish this, this perfection or the completion. But I need a little peace. But help me to complete my joy. To help me have my fullness and wholeness of joy. By what? By being like-minded. By having the same love. By being in one spirit of one mind. You know, as much as Paul is telling this church in Philippi, you know, Christians in Philippi, importance of joy saying they rejoice so many times. The second most important thing that he was saying is this unity. Oneness. You find it all over these letters. First, second, and third, fourth letter. You find oneness, one accord, one heart, one mind. All these phrases so many times. I think that what Paul is saying here is that I'm the joy master. You know, I'm about to complete my joy to the perfection. I need a little tiny piece from you guys. Would you help me? The little tiny piece is what? Unity. Unity. Paul's joy, Paul's, I should say, completion of joy is being found in the unity of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, unity is very powerful, right? Unity is a very powerful key and is a powerful force and it will propel you to success in your, let's say, family 
marriage, business, and your church life. If we are unified, there's nothing, nothing that is impossible before us. Do you know that? If we are in one accord, one mind, there is nothing, 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 nothing that is impossible before us. So let me just give you two examples from the Bible. The one is a great example and the one is a bad example. So let me just start by giving you a bad example. And even the wicked people, when they are in one accord, one mind, how powerful that was. The example is taken from the book of Genesis chapter 11. You probably know and heard a lot about this story. story of building the Tower of Babel. Remember the story? There is just this story that people wanted to build this tower to reach to God so they can be like him. And as God noticed that these guys are really working hard within one unity, God even made this statement in verse 6. says this, because they are unified, nothing, nothing will be impossible for them. That's why God confused their language. That's why they can actually no longer be able to build this tower of Babel. You see that even God, if this wicked man with a wicked purpose, if they are in one accord, if they are united, there is nothing that is impossible. Now, there is a great example, though, which is taken from book of Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Okay? Um, which says this, All this with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You know, this is a story. Immediately after the ascension of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ promised to his disciples and his followers, I'm living right now, but you know what? My father is going to send down to the Holy Spirit, the God, the one of Trinion God. When you receive Holy Spirit, Make sure that you got to be my witness. Not only here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the world. They got the promise from Lord Jesus Christ. And they witnessed the ascension of Jesus Christ. The glorious moment. Now they are in the upper room. And with one mind, one heart, and one accord. In other words, with this united heart in Christ. They were praying. And what happened afterwards? The second chapter, you see at the day of Pentecost, God sent out Holy Spirit. Why? Not only because of their, um, you know, desirable or faithful prayer. I believe that because of their intercessory prayer, pray with the one heart, pray all together. God sent out the Holy Spirit. When they receive Holy Spirit, what happened? They preached and they delivered the gospel. Thousands of the thousands of people being baptized and received Jesus Christ as their own Savior. We see the glorious moment of the birth of the early, the very first church. You see that? Unity is so important. And I believe it's so important on our sports team as well. I think that one of the most important factors to win their championship, World Series, uh, whatever that is, is to have united team. In other words, have good teamwork. It's not about one superstar player. Not about this all high-cap salaried player. No, it is about having one team. Oneness, unity. Probably heard this phrase, talent wins the game, but teamwork Unity, what wins the championship? Many of you know um, our team, my, one of my 
live team and favorite team, Boston Red Sox. To my heart on that team. You know how they won in 2013. Oh, that was a glorious moment in my life. Just, just knowing that, just seeing all this parades. But the reason they were able to win on that World Series and became champion wasn't the star players, wasn't all this high cap, you know, very talented players. No, it was because of unity. One heart, one accord. Remember that? They had this worst possible play season in 2012. And then they decided to just become one. And they tried to find out what could be the best way that we can really, you know, develop and have oneness of this teamwork. And they came up with this clever, the bright idea that is, that was actually to grow their viewers. Remember, they're all growing their beers like Santa Claus. And then whoever actually hit a home run and, you know, won the game, they're always just squeezing, you know, their, their beers and just celebrating one another. And that there, actually, and that beers, and that was actually the one actually was able to make this whole different players into one in this unity so that they were able to win the World Series. You know, we as a Christian, the unity is essential for our Christian life. But it is also essential for the joy of our life, according to Apostle Paul. Okay? This unity is a key piece, according to Apostle Paul, to actually um, fulfill the completion of his joy. You see that? Many of us actually think that the joy comes from God, so we put our faith upon him, and that will probably bring us joy. That's true. But you know, the completion, wholeness of the joy can be only fulfilled by we as the church, body of Christ, ecclesia, become one accord, one in spirit, one in our Father and God, and continue to serve our Lord and that, according to Paul, is a true, true joy. We as a Christian, unity is not because we all look alike. Right? Unity is not because of we all talk alike. That's uniformity. That's a sameness. That is not unity. Unity in our Christian life is because we believe alike. Amen? We believe alike because we believe the same truth. We believe the same doctrine. We believe the same foundation of our faith. That's why, even though we have differences, we are willing to, you know, agree to disagree. We're willing to deal with the little issues that we can think about. Why? Because we have our foundation. Our foundation is actually uh, that we hold together. And I think it's actually a great example is a family. Let's think of a family. I've shared with you so many times and how many fights that I had with my brother. We're only a year and a half apart. And if you are a young couple and planning on having more kids, don't ever having boys year in a row or a year and a half apart, don't do that because they're going to be fighting lifetime. We fought ever since I remember, let's say the six and seven until ever since I grew up. That's when I was 20. So for 15 years, we're fighting and fighting and fighting, right? 
And I hated my you know, brother. There are so many times, and the same thing happened. My brother hated me so many times. And there was one day, one day, because we went to the same elementary school. And when I was actually going to the school, I saw that he was being beaten by his friends. I saw that he was having a fight. And he was pretty much beaten by you know, his friends. You know what I did? I hated him, right? We got so many fights and we disagreed with so many different things. And he loves this and loves that. But when that moment, I just jumped and like fly and flew like this, you know, Superman. And I just grabbed the guy and throw away. And I beat the guy like crazy. <laughs> Why is that? Even though I had a mini fight, we disagreed each other, myself and my brother. We have a same, same doctrine, same foundation that is the blood and then also love. The same way, same way Apostle Paul is telling us in this passage. You know, if you want to know the top secret of joy, to fulfill the completion or wholeness or perfection of your joy, make sure that you have the unity, oneness in Holy Spirit or one accord. Now, the Paul goes on to say here, and he's saying the building blocks of the unities are three H's. Listen to this. Paul goes on to say that the building blocks of unities are three H's. Okay, it begins with all this letter H. The first one is harmony. The second one is humility. And the third one is helpfulness, like helping one another. Okay, harmony, humility, and helpfulness. I'm going to just overview and going through it very quickly. Because uh, you've watched this, and I'm going to just explain to this. And it's not difficult to understand that. First of all, harmony. He says here, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, one accord, one mind. Okay? As I said, the one accord, unity, one mind is almost the second theme of this book of Philippians. We got to be like-minded. We, be, um, we got to be believing uh, like that means we should have the same foundation. The same way the relationship that I have with my brother. Even though we're different. Even though we don't agree. Even though you may not like some of our congregation. That can be happening. But as long as we have the same one foundation. Same faith and same truth. I believe. I believe we can make all this harmony. Unity is a great example of harmony. Right? Um, Great example is, um, let's say, the orchestra. Uniformity is you put about 40 violins there, and they make and they play one note, same notes. And then they could probably make the loud music and song, but I don't think that's pretty, all right? But here, the harmony of unity is even though there are all different instruments, violins, viola, contrabass, and all different type of instruments, even though you're playing different notes, somehow under the guidance of conductor, you are able to make all this um, unified, one harmonized sounds. And I think the true unity um, can be explained, unity and diversity. Okay? Even though that we are all different, came from different country, different race, and different way of even worshiping our God, and somehow we gather here, um, being, making this great 
harmony. Why? Because we have the same faith, same doctrine, and same belief. Now, the second one is H, humility. Humility. Paul says here in verse 3, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. It says, don't do anything out of your selfishness. Don't do anything, don't do anything out of your pride. But always make sure to put values, more values to other people. Always make sure to look up to other people. You know, going back to Pastor Trent, because I really sent my heart to say goodbye to him. But, you know, he came about two years ago. And the reason that we are able to become great team is, I believe, that because of humility that I have and Pastor Trent have. Because we're about the same age. And it could be very, you know, awkward relationship. We have about the same education. And then someone, the one is a senior pastor. The other one is an actual associate pastor. You know, feel like it's like this hierarchical relationship. I never treated him that way. I always respected him. I always respected his uh, experience and his knowledge about the word of God. And that's why we were able to work together. Why? Because we had, we still have that humility, humble heart. Do you guys know the opposite word of humility is pride? There's a pride as the one which caused the original sin. Remember that? It is actually the Satan serpents and trying to tempt those Adam and Eve and try to have them this, you know, fruit. And why? Because of tempt, you know, Satan's pride. Oh, you know what? I can tempt this Adam and Eve. And then they can be like them. The reason the people were trying to build a tower of Babel because of their pride. I want to be like God. Well, who is that God? I can be like him in terms of my knowledge and my ability. But remember this, humility is the mark that you have to be living by. Let me ask you a question. Is your life being marked by humility? As anybody knows you well and saying, you're always, always humble. Hey, Dave, you're always, always humble. That should be your life. How many of you know that the closer you get to Christ, the more you see the imperfection in your own life. How many of you know the closer you get to Christ, the more humble you become? Humility is a second key, second building block of the unity that is a source of our joy. Now, the third one is what? Third one is helpfulness. Verse 4 says this, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but for the interest of others what paul says here he says don't look out for your own stuff look out for other people and the real core of unity which brings us heavenly joy in christianity in our faith in our belief is not just doing the best we can for ourselves. No, but getting out of proud, getting out of our self-awareness, our selfishness, and looking around to find the ways that we can help others. Helpfulness, that is the key. Remember those building blocks are harmony, humility, and helpfulness. They can actually form and building the great, this norm of unity. And according to Paul, unity is the final piece to make 
Now his joy complete. Remember that. Now, is that easy to be humble? Is that easy to make this all harmony? Is that easy to be helping others all the time? It's not. It's not easy. Knowing that Apostle Paul actually has given us a great example. If you want to be having this unity. You know, I know someone who actually had that life. If you want to know all these building blocks, if you want to know how to do it, let me just introduce you. All you have to do is go to that person and follow the footstep of that person. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. It says here in verse 6 and 8, Who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used his own advantage. We see the humility right here, right? Rather, he made himself nothing, humility, by taking the very nature of servant and being made in human likeness. We see the harmony right here. You know, Jesus Christ didn't want to come as a divinity because there will be too much gap. We cannot follow him. We cannot be harmonized. But he, instead of giving up the divinity or set aside, and he came down as incarnated being, human being. That's why we can we can relate to Jesus. Isn't that true? That's why we can relate to the way that he was humble. That's why we can relate the way that he was being harmonized and loving and caring other people. That's why we can relate to the way that Jesus Christ helped others. And it says, verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, being, by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. See the helpfulness right here? He was willing to sacrifice for the sake of all of us. Brothers and sisters, we talk about today how we can find unshakable joy from the example of Apostle Paul. According to him, even though he was pretty much mastering this concept of norm of joy, he says, I I still need this one last piece that is a unity being found in our Lord Jesus Christ by being Harmonize with your brothers and sisters by being humble, showing your humility as a mark of your Christian life and by helping one another the same way that Jesus Christ did. As we walk in this very difficult time, I hope you will be able to take in a moment as we are taking this Holy Communion, using that time and also opportunity that you can Commemorate on what Christ has done. So that through this message, through this service, may you be able to find that last piece of joy by following the example and footstep of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that you have given us today. Lord, may we continue to pursue the word of God, following the footstep of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may be able to have that the last piece of joy, which can make the completion of our life of joy. That is a unity. Unity that is being found through the humility and also harmony and helpfulness in Christ Jesus. We pray for all, our all Savior Jesus Christ's name. God's people said, Amen.